Good day and welcome to the Frontline Cheddar Podcast. My name is Jarian Gibson with co-host Andy Morgan. Um, this week we have a guest podcast, uh, first one ever for us, where we have Gunnar Berger of Citrix, CTO Desktops and Apps, along with Jeff McNaught of Dell Wise, talking about some of the future of thin clients and uh, the, the, the space. And I'm going to kick it over to Andy Morgan. So yeah, this was this was a fascinating article. We had a um, we had a podcast with Gunnar last week around the, you know, Citrix's move towards synergy, and he mentioned that he had done a, a video series with uh, with Jeff McNaught from Dell Wise. Um, Gunnar does a really good job of introducing the video from there, but I found this fascinating for a number of reasons. Kind of watching how Citrix and, and Dell actually grew up and and matures together. So uh, yeah, I don't want to I don't want to read it for you. So uh, I'll kick back to Jerry and let's get the show on the road. Yeah, so with uh, further ado, we're going to kick it over to Gunnar and let him kick off the, the guest post and hope you guys enjoy and thank you for listening to the Frontline Chatter podcast. Hi, everybody. This is Gunnar Berger, the CTO of the Desktops and App Group at Citrix Systems. As some of you may know, I started an online web series called They Gave Me a Camera, and obviously a camera means video. The problem is that uh, sometimes I get a little carried away in my in my videos, and I did a recent video with Dell, uh, with Jeff McNaught. Jeff and I have been friends for many years, and I asked him to, to jump in and do a series with me. And in our conversation, he went this completely interesting direction, which was kind of the history of Wise and how they invented the Windows terminal. And it went on for 30 minutes and it was just, there was no demos, which typically in my online video series, I like to do a demo, um, but I just couldn't help it. This was such a fascinating story for geeks like me. And I figure people that actually read my content or, you know, watch my videos they're they've got to be geeks like me. At least that's how I think about you guys. Um, so I love this thing that Jeff and I put together and uh, I wanted to share it with the world, but after watching it on YouTube and getting some other people's opinions on it, it made more sense to do a podcast. <laughs> so um, I, I was on a podcast last week with uh, Jerrion and um, Andy Morgan, and uh, I had them look at the video and they, they said, you know, why don't I do a guest podcast? So this is my first podcast. And uh, all I'm going to do is actually pull the audio out of the video that I shot with Jeff and um, share with you guys through podcast form. So my hope here is that you know many of you might be driving into work, having commute, and you just get to hear a really interesting history of Dell and the innovation that they had many years ago. It's a really interesting walk through uh, memory lane around uh, the early early Silicon Valley. And Jeff Jeff is a really good speaker. So listening to him, I, I actually wasn't even talking most of the time. Just I just listened a lot to him. And uh, hopefully it works in podcast form. If not, you know, you can reach out to me. I can share the video. I might post the video anyway. Um, but I hope that it really works for podcast form. Now, here's a, a little interesting side note. I actually shot this video twice. Um, so you might hear me kind of making fun of myself in the audio um, because I don't know what the heck I'm doing with audio. In fact, right now I'm on a really high-end audio system because I have one at my house. But when I travel, I travel with some wireless gear and I've, I've just, I've been having a lot of issues with it. So in the beginning, you'll hear the audio gets kind of weird, but I, I cleaned it up throughout thank, thanks to uh, Adobe Audition. Uh, I'm working on that. Uh, hopefully it, it still sounds good enough for podcast form. But like I said, I, I really hope you enjoy this thing uh, as a podcast. So here it is. They gave me a camera and I gave you a podcast. I hope you enjoy. You took my love and gave it back. 
for those of you watching, I'm Jeff McNaught, um, uh, probably best known for being with WISE for 27 years and now with Dell as part of the, the WISE acquisition. Uh, and I've held many roles inside of both WISE and Dell uh, having to do with uh, strategy, technology, uh, marketing, uh, especially now marketing. Um, and, you know, my claim to fame was I'm the co-inventor of the, uh, the original WISEN client. This is cool. Well, so last time we talked, you kind of brought me through um, the, the whole history of WISE. And it was so fascinating. I remember we had a bunch of people in the room. I don't remember half of them that were there, but like our Citrix people were there and you had more Dell people there. And I just know everyone there as their eyes kind of got bigger and bigger as you were talking about the history of WISE. So, Let's, let's do that again. I, I found it really fascinating. Can you kind of walk me through, and the one thing that I remember specifically, you said Citrix was our first partner. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of walked us through, like, what was that? And go, let's go back to, what was that, 90s time sure. frame? Yeah, I mean, what is now a multi-billion dollar industry started on a very, very dark day, October of 1994. And on that day, uh, I and a couple of other executives shut down Wise's PC and server business. That was, a, that was a good business for Wise, and Wise had a very clever way of making uh, all of our PCs processor upgradable, but that added cost, and companies like Compaq had come in and gone to the you know, super low cost, single motherboard kind of design, usually building offshore, et cetera, and, and it just made it tough for us. And so management decided October 8th, that was when we were gonna change our focus, and, so we, we laid off our teams, and that was, that's the hardest thing that you can do as an executive. Uh, and then the, the executive team pulled us in and, and selected four people who survived from those teams. Um, a gentleman named Kurt Schwebke, who was our uh, head of engineering at that time and is now a Dell CTO, uh, myself, and then two other members from the PC division. And they sat us down and they said, you're the new strategic, strategic business development center, is what they called us. And so they split us into two teams and said, you guys have to go off and figure out what the future of WISE was. You can imagine the concern one would have when this has just happened. And if we don't come up with an amazing idea, you know, it's a Kentucky Fried Chicken franchise in our future. So, um, so Kurt and I actually got, got split off. <clears throat> and I'd known Kurt for years, so we worked very well together. Um, and, and we sat down and really said, what, what does WISE known for, which was terminals. Uh, number one terminal company in the world, beat IBM, beat everybody else, did that better than anyone else. Great ergonomics, et cetera. And the, uh, so the idea was what, what can we do that makes sense for the WISE brand? Uh, and what could we do to make the idea of terminals, which are very practical devices, but they're not cool, right? If you think of 1994, that's sort of Windows, uh, what I want to say, um, Sorry, Windows XP. Windows XP, I think, had just come out. 94, 94 is 95. Okay, you're right. Sorry, yeah, that's right. Windows 95. And so, you know, anything that didn't deliver internet access, full graphics, didn't make any sense. And so, so we set about building a more secure way to access a Windows environment for businesses. Now, when we first conceptualized the idea, we went in and talked to the executive team at Wise, and I pitched the story for about an hour and a half. Midway through my pitch, our president simply walked out of the room. He didn't think it was possible to make a product that could deliver sort of the mainframe idea, but the Windows application load, right? And so we had to do a lot of, a lot of proving. Kurt and I spent about six months doing research. We'd show up at trade shows and pop up ideas and talk to people, and we, we, we worked with all the analyst firms, very close with IDC Forrester uh, and Gartner, of course. Um, and, and so we, we decided that this actually made some sense, but the challenge was 
there are really three pieces you have to have to make this work. You have to have your endpoint, and it has to be able to deal with the kind of information that's going to come to it because we're talking about highly graphical stuff. You're going to need a protocol so that works across serial, networking, Wi-Fi, everything else. And then, of course, you need some sort of mainframe that's going to actually run the applications in a way that you know, people and businesses expect. Um, and it has to be able to deliver something that you can't get today. And, and we identified fairly early on that we could, we could improve the bar in management and security with this approach. So we went out and talked to a lot of companies because we understood how to build the device, but we didn't have a protocol and we certainly didn't have the technology available to make the, the mainframe work, if you will. And so we, we talked to a bunch of different companies. We ran across this company called Citrix, and we thought, well, they make orange juice in Florida. What the hell are they doing having something to do with you know, high tech? Um, and it only had 50 employees at that time. Um, uh, Roger Roberts was the CEO. Uh, Ed Akabuchi was the chairman. I, I, I met with Ed and Roger and, and you know, a bunch of the wise people, and we sort of talked about the idea. They thought it was a very cool idea. I remember about a week later, as we were sort of sharing with the wise executive team, what we had decided that we, you know, kind of, we kind of wanted to work with a Citrix company. They said, why would, we, why would we post our future on a company in Florida with only 50 employees? Is this really, I mean, why is this big and Citrix is tiny? Of course, you look fast forward now and look, look how things have changed. Um, but it turned out to be the right decision. And in fact, after a lot of work together between the two companies in, in 1994, um, in, uh, and then in 1995, in December of, of 1995, we introduced in a single trade show booth, Citrix introduced WinFrame and Wise introduced WinTerm. And so these were designed to work together to deliver that vision. Everything had been worked out. Of course, the, the very first versions of our devices were serial devices mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, and built on these big CRT platforms, kind of like, you know, you see terminals today, you think of them as, you know, CRT and a couple of cables and that's the end of it. Was this WTOS, I mean, wise thin OS? Or no, this no, this was something where even before that, um, the operating system inside the WinTerm 2000, which was the very first model ever introduced, um, was uh, something we called BOSS, B-O-S, basic operating system. It was very little kind of, it was all designed at, at wise, but there wasn't much in it except for, you know, a, uh, a network stack, uh, which was serial driven at that time. Uh, and then there were some, some basic security parameter technology uh, settings and then a ICA client. I mean, that was really it in the very first win terms. And, you know, we, we launched the product at, at uh, Comdex 1995. Uh, we launched it on Monday. Wednesday, we won the Best of Comdex Award. Thursday morning, now we're all in Las Vegas at this trade show. Thursday morning, our president, a guy named Doug Chance, who joined us, uh, you know, sort of right before we started the project, uh, gets a call from Microsoft saying, what are you people doing with Windows to make it work on a terminal? I think they were offended, quite frankly, right? <laughs> and so, um, literally that day, Doug and I get tickets on whatever airline would take us to Redmond immediately, and I grab one of the wind terms, which is like this huge, hulking, you know, I don't know, 50-pound device, <laughs> um, get it on the plane, did they make you powered on as you went through security? Fortunately, that was pre-9/11, <laughs> so you could kind of you could take a, a, a hippo on an airplane if you really wanted to back then, uh, and and that was kind of the equivalent of what I was dragging. So we we get to to Redmond. Doug and I are sitting in the lobby waiting to talk to this Microsoft vice president who's going to you know have this conversation with us. And we thought, holy cow, this is scary because if this conversation doesn't go well in three weeks, we're working at Taco Bell, and because Microsoft had the ability to kind of shut this whole idea down if they felt like it wasn't good. And so we go in and, and we meet with this vice president, and it's three hours 
of, of Doug talking and I'm showing slides and waving my arms and demonstrating the product and just hoping to God that we, we survive this meeting with our jobs and our, and our futures intact. And at the end of the meeting, uh, the vice president says, you know, Bill and I have talked about this and we see there's a position for this in the market. We, we see there's an opportunity. It doesn't meet with our strategy today. You know, that, at that time it was a PC on every desktop. And, uh, but we're going to, we, we, we're going to kind of give you some runway to do this, right? Um, he didn't say it exactly this way, but I think I, my recollection was he says, I'm, we're going to let you live. So that was good, right? And so, so they kind of gave us a blessing to continue on and, and actually some assistance and started working with us on a, on a product that ultimately became Windows NT Terminal Server Edition, which debuted a couple years later in 1997. Now the amazing thing about that is that, you know, you think about how Microsoft was organized then and what was important, and this was a long time ago. The guy who made these decisions is someone you know very well and I know very well now, Paul Moritz. Mm -hmm. Talk about having the vision, right, and, and kind of carrying it forward. So that, that was the, that was the start crazy, of this whole thing. It's a small community. I mean, the more I, I, you go deeper in this thing, it's crazy how, how small the community actually is. But It really is. And if you think about it, you know, Citrix and, and Wise has been exchanging employees <laughs> you know, for the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. And of course, now that Dell's involved, um, that makes it even bigger and better. And, and, uh, and our story expands really dramatically. Well, but you asked about ThinOS, right? Yeah. So ThinOS really got its start in the year 2000. Um, and it was in response to, we, we had a number of different operating choices in 2000. Um, the market had grown, there was more pressure, there was more competition, um, and we wanted to be able to do things better. And, and the challenge we had in 2000 was that the operating systems we were able to put into a thin client at that time were um, Windows CE, remember that? Uh, Windows XP embedded, I think, or something that the previous, the Windows NT embedded, the pre predecessor to that, and Linux. And, and we all knew that none of those three operating systems was bulletproof from a security standpoint. And none of those three operating systems were as fast as, as what we wanted. And so we realized that if we were going to really drive this market forward, because the thin client was always the redheaded stepchild of computing, right? A lot of companies figured out very quickly that it was the right solution for call centers and, you know, finance teams and all this kind of stuff or anything you needed to really be secure. But we had to continue to drive that and make it better uh, because we really wanted it to have a, a place in history that was, you know, I, we thought appropriate, right? And so, so ThinOS got started by being, first off, an operating system that with, with the intention of it being virus immune. And that's a pretty, pretty heady thing to say. Uh, the way that you deliver something with virus immunity is you have to eliminate all the flexibility that makes a platform like Windows so exciting. Mm -hmm. You've got to take out all the APIs. You've got to take out all of the ability to do things that, that uh, application programmers rely on. And so it essentially really isn't an operating system. ThinOS is really a firmware layer, you know, a, not that different than a firmware layer you would see in a so, Cisco router, for instance. So let's talk about that. The, one of the things I've seen out there is uh, the religious debate around zero clients. Mm, yeah, right? yeah. And I come, I, I worked at a zero client vendor that we did it on an ASIC chip, um, and I drank the Kool Aid. So when I think of zero client, I think of ASIC. And I think anyone else outside of that, uh, just they're trying to make up something that, that's a zero client. Um, but you've also seen people that drink the Kool Aid, like Pano, um, didn't, didn't turn out well for them. So I understand that my Kool Aid may not be the best. But I still have that mentality that zero client means firmware only. And so when I think why is thin OS, I think, well, it's a, a small version of Linux. And I know just, uh, you know, talking to our sales force and everything else that 
um, they're out there and the you know, federal government wants to have zero clients. Mm -hmm. And so they're, they're only going to, you know, they kind of drank the same Kool-Aid I did. How, how have you guys responded to that, given that, you know, your kind of flagship operating system is, is TOS now, but the Ys have been dropped is TOS. Thin um, OS. Thin OS. OS. We don't call it TOS. So sorry. <laughs> I go back to ways. It's WTOS for like a decade Totally get your life. question. So here's the thing. You've got to understand the, the design objective for a zero client. A, a zero client is, when properly architected, does three things. The first thing it does is it is ultra secure. You don't have to worry about data residing on the device. You don't have to worry about software on the device that could be, um, if a device was stolen, that could be harvested for passwords or anything like that, right? The second thing is it has to be either no management or light management. We call it automatic management in this case because people buy a, a, a zero client thinking they'll put it in as an appliance, they'll never touch it again. And that's really part of the, the, the vision and the benefit of using a thin client is sort of install once, visit never. Uh, and the third idea is it should be very, very fast because there's no sludge, you know, operating system sludge like Linux, you know, which is way bigger than, than what you really need in that kind of device in the way. Now, so here's something that most people don't know. The very first all hardware zero client was developed at WISE in 2006. It was called Project Nano. Um, and we developed it based on those three criteria that I just talked to you about. It was all ASIC based, had almost no software layer in it at all. And here's what we learned. But first off, you probably know we never introduced it to the market. What we learned is that building a zero client that has all hardware and no software is a device that is frozen in time. It's a device that can't adapt to changes in security protocols, changes in graphical protocols, or changes, any sort of changes that, that come into the market in Microsoft terms of sorting link. peripherals. Well, yeah. Link's a great example, right? And so we, we, we tested the device in 2006, ultimately never brought it to market, and actually OEM'd it to another thin client manufacturer who sold it, not terribly successfully, um, but it was, in fact, the CEO who worked for WISE at the time went to go work for Panologic, um, and, and he wouldn't listen to me that this, the right zero client approach is one that delivers those three values, but has the ability to be updated based on the realities of, of our industry, right? And so, so we canned that thing at WISE and, and started to build ThinOS. And now, the common misconception is that ThinOS is Linux or has Linux in it. No, no, ThinOS is, is completely and uniquely, it, it's, it's written by us and it has no open source, you know, that, that could cause, you know, a challenge. Um, and it's really designed, to, uh, it's, there's three modules. There's the, the Citrix ICA protocol or the protocol decoders, which kind of handle all of our partners. There is the network stack, uh, and then there's the management layer, and that's it. So there's not much in it. And, and so what that gives us is the ability to have a very tiny attack surface. So there's no APIs. So things that are written for Windows or things that are written for Linux of any sort, those kind of viruses take advantage of shortcomings in the, in the programming or well-intentioned APIs for programmers. We don't have any of those. So, so the product is literally virus immune because you can't attack it in that way. But the, what took us from ThinOS to Zenith, now Zenith is probably my favorite product of our product line because I had a big hand in architecting it, was this was a device that is 95% hardware, 5% software. And in fact, it, it's really made up of three very unique components. It is the Citrix receiver for Zenith, which we built with Citrix. You know, mm -hmm. I, I came up with the idea for, 
for Zenith on an airplane when I was coming back from a meeting with Apple. Yeah, and, lots of things on airplanes. Huh? Carrying CRTs. You know, it's, yeah, our <laughs> lives are on airplanes right now, and, and we, that's a separate conversation. So what I did is I sat down and started to build a PowerPoint presentation of what the perfect thin client would be. And, I, you know, and, and my standards are pretty high. I mean, I've been here since day one on this thing. So, so what we architected out was the Zenith feature set before we even had hardware or software in place. And I took that feature set and I sat down with friends of mine at Citrix and said, if we could build this, what do you think? And I sort of expected a little bit of pushback or some question. Everybody universally loved it. In fact, a week later, we get a call from Mark Templeton. Hey, I hear you guys are working on something really exciting. When can I have one? Oh, crap. It's only, it only exists on slides right now. So we started the fastest development process WISE had ever done because we were having these conversations in February of 2010 and we wanted to have everything ready by May of 2010 for the Citrix Synergy event. So Citrix engineers, WISE engineers, all of us involved in sort of 24-hour meetings to build this product. And so Zenith One came out and so I was pretty proud of Zenith One because it was the fastest startup of, of any client device. It would start in 10 seconds, and in that 10 seconds, it would automatically check for firmware updates and make the updates if necessary. So you never had any bootstorms managing uh, a, a Zenith One device. The second was that it was virus immune. It had the right code in it. The third is it had a real Citrix receiver in it. So it was gonna deliver very, very good performance, very fast, um, and it had no information stored on the device that if the device were stolen, by some bad guys that it could be harvested and, and create a, a problem for the company down the road. Um, now the first Zenith, in order to get it to market so fast, we had to use a platform we already had, a hardware platform, which we called the C-Class. And C-Class was sort of our lowest cost device. We wanted, we wanted Zenith to be very, very cost effective and using the, the, uh, the Citrix receiver for Zenith, which is built off of a subset of ThinOS software called Xero at WISE. Um, we, had, we, we delivered pretty darn good performance, we thought, for a product of its, you know, sort of hardware behind it. Yeah, I remember being, and we've talked about this, that I was at a bar at the time and I tried to sell these things and it just seemed like an underpowered device. I mean, conceptually, software stack-wise, I'm, I'm with you, I can drink your Kool-Aid, um, that it, it, it seems like a great thing, but then I actually got these things and I plugged it in and it worked and it, you know, delivered on the 10 second promise, that kind of thing, but it just didn't have the high end performance. And of course, that's the first thing you do is you run a YouTube Well, you probably video, connected right? it to some enormous monitor, right? Well, yeah. Yeah, probably. And, and, and so we got that feedback, you know, schools, uh, state and local government. That it was, was, it was what, version one. 2007? I mean, 2010. 2010? Okay. May of 2010 is when we introduced that product. Um, and it, it was an immediate hit, mm -hmm. in fact, um, because it answered some serious questions. Customers didn't know if they were implementing a Citrix environment what the best thin client would be. This immediately answered that question. And, and, and of course we had the whole other rest of the family. So the conversation would start on Zenith. If Zenith was the right product, they'd buy that. If not, they would use a Linux-based device or a ThinOS-based device or a Windows embedded device. And we were happy as long as the customer got what they wanted. But, but Zenith really articulated the less is more vision of thin computing, is that the less software in the end device, the more secure it will be. That's yeah. just by design. And so this, this was the right thing. Now we got smart and you know, it came up with Zenith 2 the next year, doubled the performance, reduced the price, added tons of functionality, made sure that the Citrix receiver was, was all up to date with what we did with you. And then for folks like you who wanted to strap multiple big screens to it, right? Because the basic Zenith 2 could support 2560 by 1600, which is good resolution. Um, and two screens at 1920 by 1200. So that's, that's pretty good, decent stuff, more than full HD. Um, 
but we had folks that wanted to strap four monitors, and so we created Zenith Pro. And so Zenith Pro was built off of a much more capable hardware design that had just much more emphasis on video performance. And so, you know, and then soon after that, we introduced Zenith 3. And Zenith 3 is now the product on the market that, you know, customers who want to implement a, a Citrix and Zenon desktop environment especially. Uh, environment, that's the right product to always start with. still because, based on ThinOS. Well, based on a subset of ThinOS, okay. so even some of the ThinOS baggage is gone. Wow. It's a, Zenith is designed for one protocol and one protocol only, and that's HDX. It's optimized for HDX. It's automatically managed by the Citrix Zen desktop environment. You could cert certainly manage it in other ways if you need to, like the automatic management that, that is a function of that. Mm -hmm. um, and it delivers on all the values. Very fast, very cheap, ultimately secure. Nobody can steal it and, and hack into anything. So customers who buy that, and, and Zenith is hugely popular with banks because they, I'm glad they use them because that's where our money is, right? Mm -hmm. They are the ones that have to really prevent against threats both inside and outside the bank. And so, so that's, that's really awesome. So if anybody ever tells you that Citrix doesn't have a zero client available to Citrix customers, that's complete nonsense. The best zero client in the world for Citrix is the Zenith device, the Zenith 3 today. And, and I'll, I'll get up and stand in front of anybody and show you know engineering design versus whatever they, malarkey they've heard from a competitor. Have you, have you had um, success in, let's say, DOD, that, that type of area with yeah, these devices? Yeah. I mean, we are so deeply in the government, I'm not allowed to talk about most of it, but um, there was a time when I was uh, shown a picture of the bunker below the White House, the Clinton administrator, administration. You remember they talked about thin clients quite a bit. That was one of the things Hillary talked about. Um, and they put their money where their mouth is. They had uh, those devices there. So, okay. and, 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 and do more than ever, ever before. But they don't return the warranty cards, so I don't know where they're going anymore. Okay. <laughs> the, um, so we've talked a lot about the history of WISE, and I think we've got to the present. Uh, of you know, going all the way back to now the Zenith 3 and everything. I want to talk about the future. Mm -hmm. um, and I like that how, where we've gone so far. And of course, this is now the second time we've done this video shoot, and I still don't have it on me, so I'll have to walk out of the shop and grab this thing. But you, you know what I'm grabbing. It's, it's, uh, I grabbed the same thing last time. Yeah, you have a toy. I I, my toys. I keep my toys on me. My... Uh, I keep my cloud client. Oh, connect sure, yeah, yeah. On me. Mm -hmm. I keep my. Uh, so you've got cloud this, connect, and you've got the new Intel. And, and I got a Raspberry Pi. Is that a Raspberry Pi? But, yeah. uh, that's for another story, another day. Um, <laughs> but all of which are cool technology, yeah. right? And and innovative and moving the bar forward. Like, what will work next? What? How do we solve new problems? Yep. So I'm I'm really obsessed with thin clients right now because ultimately, when I came on board at Citrix, um, I saw that the biggest problems we have are cost and complexity. Mm -hmm. And you, you solve that and then we can actually push this VDI number further than it is today because I'm unapolog unapologetically a fan of VDI. I, I love it. It's great technology. You use it every day. Yeah. And the, but it's just been cost prohibitive in many environments and in other environments it's just too complex. Mm -hmm. And so I know the number one area of that is storage, which is why Citrix recently made the acquisition of Sambolic to, to attack storage head on. And you guys are even doing cool stuff on storage to, to solve that challenge as well. So, but now that from internally, we've looked at it and said, okay, that problem is quote unquote solved. We've got work to do, but it's, it's done. We're going to do that. The next thing is thin clients and to look at that. And so we know we have the Zenith thing with you, but I'm also looking forward 
of where are think clients going. And so you guys have built this thing. Mm -hmm. the, 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 You're holding a, a, a Wise Cloud Connect from yep, Dell. Wise Cloud, Cloud Connect here, which is an Android on a stick device. It really is. And it's, it's very cool. If you haven't seen one of these things, um, I've, I've wanted to put like my business card information on the back and just hand them <laughs> out. Uh, it's really cool. It's, uh, I think what, what basically is you put it in, you get Android. Um, but right out of the gate, they have their cloud software comes in, and, and I think by default it installs our software and probably our competitor's software. Um, but it just bam, you're in there and you're getting a desktop. I'll tell you right now, the Citrix software works best on it. Well, good. There you go. Um, but you get it, and basically you're using Android to be a desktop. Now the thing is, now by the way, it's not just Android. It is a it is a custom hardened version of Android that we did right with, with Google, so that this is. You know, a lot of IT people, you say, hey, we got a good device based on Android. They kind of look at you like, really? And the reality is we understood that. And so we've, we've locked it down in a, in, a, in a very pragmatic way and provided a bunch of very manageable capabilities that can be managed by our own cloud client manager software that Dell has. That's, you know, that's our SaaS offering, uh, as well as it supports, you know, send sort of technology as well, yeah. right? Yeah, well, that's what I wanted to get to is that this device is the start. This device will, will come up in a second, but... I love this device for a lot of reasons. To start with, we need to make the Android client better. Like, I'll, I'll embrace that. But I think we're all learning in yeah, that we're, space. We're all kind of learning, and you know, we got to figure out how to do USB on this. It's just Android was designed for our phones, right? It wasn't necessarily designed to be a desktop replacement. So as we look at that and start thinking, okay, as a desktop replacement device, we need to look at USB and peripherals and all the stuff that come that come with that. Uh, but what I like about this is it tells a bigger story. Right mm -hmm. now, we sell this thing called Suite which is Zen Mobiles and Apps and Desktop together, but they're not really together. They're different products that we sell as a single SKU. Sure. But this is kind of the device that makes me think Suite could be a lot more than just different SKUs or different things as a SKU, but actually a product. And so I like this because I picture a world where I plug this in and Zen Mobile immediately takes control of the device and gives you kind of, let's say, Zenith experiences, like a Citrix-specific mm -hmm. experience yeah. for when you plug a device like this in here. And I know you've had success with uh, the digital signage market. Digital signage market I'm, has taken off on yeah, this thing like crazy. you got the less SD there, so, or uh, SD in there. But I really just think that there's so much more ground that we can do together uh, as a company on, on a device like this. But then this thing came out, mm -hmm. and this thing got me even more excited. Um, if you're, you're not aware of this, this is an Intel, I think it's prototype, but there's not really a manufacturer. Out there I, I, yeah, it I think it's coming out later yeah. this year. But this is actually x86. Um, so this is, you know, SOC, standard Android type thing. This is an x86 quad-core processor, two gigs of RAM running Windows 8. It's essentially a PC. It's a PC. Right. A PC on a stick, Android on a stick. I, I think that's but, the best way to think about it is cell phone without a screen, PC without a screen. Mm -hmm. Think of it in those terms. Now the thing is, this is about a hundred bucks too, mm -hmm. and going Windows to Windows gives us a lot of advantages. Um, you know, DirectX, other things. It just makes it easier. Uh, Windows Windows Media Redirection can be redirected to Windows. Um, it's everything's use case, right? There's no one answer for everything, but the idea of this device can give me the same things. Then mobile can come in and control it. Mm -hmm. um, but this device, apart from Zen app or Zen desktop is not all that great. It's designed to be a Chromebook competitor, right? It's I plug it in, I get Windows 8, it's running an Atom chip, it's not gonna be running AutoCAD any anytime soon. But I could take um, one of your boxes, throw a GPU in it, and now all of a sudden I can get this thing to do anything. High-end video games or AutoCAD or Katia, whatever. 
And so that gets me kind of excited as the market of, of thin clients is getting really thin <laughs> um, and more and more cost effective, which is great from the standpoint of you solve cost, you solve complexity, meaning one kind of suite of technologies that, that makes it so out of the box experience. That's why I just think you guys did a hell of a good job with this is the out of the box experience in this is amazing. I plug it in, you've even changed like the UI of Android and it's just nice, pretty, uh, what do I want to do? Next, next, and boom, I'm, I'm in a desktop type of thing. And this thing right now is just Windows 8, but I picture a world, and I, obviously we can't talk about future product or anything else, but I do picture a world where that becomes more just that pretty UI uh, on something like this. But I like that Windows, Microsoft, is getting in the game more. And well, it legitimizes the market. I'm a huge fan of both of these products, mm -hmm. right? Intel's a big partner of ours, mm -hmm. so you know this isn't about comparing the two or trying to yeah, make yeah. them competitive, because they really are just designed to do different things, different cost points, different capability points. Um, but I think that you know what, what Citrix and Dell are doing especially well right now is simplifying the equation. Um, our, our objective, and, and you know, this, we've made this pretty clear at Dell, is in terms of, of desktop virtualization, we want to be the easiest company that, that can plan, deploy, and run a VDI environment for our customers. And, and that means on their site, on our site, however, right? And so we've done so much to simplify the process of, of determining the best way to implement one. You know, that's such a big problem of the, um, the confusion of what's the right storage strategy, what's the right you know, processor, how many MIPS do I need, how many IOPS do I need, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. We've solved that all now with tools that make it easy for our channel to do it, for easy for end customers who want to do it themselves, or even our services organization can go in there and do this assessment and show them exactly what to do. So that the clarity now is there. And in fact, we're introducing appliances this year. We've already started, they're already shipping. You roll it in, plug it in, turn it on, boom. You know, you load a couple of licenses and now you're running yep. virtual desktops. And so very excited about how we've simplified that. And then in terms of being able to, to deploy it, you know, our thin clients make thing easy, things easier. Our PCs are designed to work in this environment. We have the most secure, manageable, and reliable PCs. In the industry, we have built-in um, uh, file encryption, file-based, not disk-based, file-based encryption, which nobody else has. You know, on our devices, so you you can use these things as thin clients or you know, sort of multi-tiered devices. And so when you combine that with the fact that we're constantly pushing the price of the infrastructure side of our business down, right? Mm -hmm. Make the server storage and networking lower cost, and we 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 whipped a, about a hundred, hundred fifty dollars out of the per seat cost in just the last year alone. And the work we're doing now in in compressing the cost of the thin clients. You know, we're really making this a much more affordable technology. When I first got started in this, a, a typical VDI seat was somewhere in the twelve to fourteen hundred dollar range. Mm. And I just looked at the the most recent analysis; it's now in the seven hundred dollar range. Now that still sounds expensive to someone, but you know what? The most popular PC that that Dell sells to customers uh, is one of the Optiplex brand, uh, models, and it's about a $900 PC, because it's one that's, you know, it's, it's not for monkeying around with. You want to keep it there for four or five years, so it's got good, good mm -hmm. capability. Well, now you can build a VDI seat, cost of the infrastructure, cost of the software licensing, cost of even a thin client, and come in about equal to that. And I'm not suggesting that VDI is the replacement for PCs. They're all, you know, it's all about use, use cases, case. right? Um, a lot of our customers who have a bunch of thin clients have a lot of PCs being connected to the Citrix environment as well. And that's really what we want, is delivering that choice, but now at lower, lower, and lower costs. And, yep. and that's, what, you know, that's what we do together best. Yeah. Well, Jeff, I really appreciate it, um, you know, sitting down with me twice. <laughs> 
on this It's always thing. a pleasure. Um, I'm, I'm excited for the future of where we, where we take Zenith, where we take um, you know, our joint collaboration on products like this and others. But uh, thanks for your time. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, and uh, look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks to you and Citrix for being such awesome partners. Thanks. And we're out.